0: Welcome to Seven Heads, Ten Horns, with Klaus Yoder and Travis Stevens. Well, Klaus, I felt like I couldn't let this moment pass us by without a mini episode on Lil Nas X's Montero slash Call Me By Your Name. I've literally had fans reach out to me.
1: Yeah, fans like maybe like the three people maybe who who are hardcore fans.
0: We can't dis- yes. we can't disappoint them. So let's go for it. Let's get into this. Okay, perfect. So here's our hot take on the video, Klaus. Where does the name of the song come from?
1: I'm glad you asked that, Travis. So Montero is Lil Nas X's name, like his the name he was given at birth. And there's a lot in the song and the video that's about identity and self love. When we say the name of the song, we have to do what he's telling us. Montero is his name, so we are already calling him by his name.
0: Ah, very tricky. I like it. So when I heard the name of the song, I the first thing I thought of was that big gay movie from a few years back that my friend Tom still can't stop talking about, you know, the one with Army Hammer. And is it Timothy Chalamet, Timothée Chalamet? Does anyone know how we're supposed to say his name? I do not, speaking of say say my name, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think Timothée Chalamet sounded right. Uh, Before we get into all that though, let's really dive into what's essential to this conversation, which is the sneakers.
0: I mean, why else would we have this episode, really? And since you are the bigger sneakerhead of the two of us, I'll let you do the honors.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm like honorary sneakerhead, but I'm not like I don't have like a like a a library or like a vault of of shoeboxes of of with. Nikes that have never been worn and, and some, I, I like, I like shoes and I, and I wear them. Um, but yeah, I mean, Klaus,
0: you need something to aspire to though. So I feel like that's totally fine. Yeah, so, right? so I can start like trading
1: my shoes as like a uh, stock market, you know, assets and stuff. Yeah. that will be <laughs> great. Um, can't wait for that day when I, when I finally fall to that, that level of hell. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So the, the controversy really kicked off with, uh, these black, Air Max 97s that were released through this uh, Brooklyn-based design company called Mischief. I, mean, I guess it's probably not a coincidence that there are 666 of these made. We did cover that number from the Book of Revelation. And even if you hadn't heard that, you know what that number means. Um, but yeah, just some background on this. Consider it a classic shoe now. The original Air Maxes uh, have a sort of a glorious... Glorious parentage uh, with uh, Tinker Hatfield, who who did the first uh, set and defined the the Jordan brand, you know, the Air Jordans, I think, starting with the the third one, which has like the rhino skin pattern look anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been said that that kept Jordan from going to Adidas which is important for Nike's future. Anyway, so that's the person who got the thing started. The 97s were designed to look like these uh, Japanese Shinkansen bullet trains, like ultra futuristic.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, if anyone wants to send me a pair of those, I would just, so you know, I'm size nine <laughs> in Nike. So just FYI. You know,
1: I for me, uh, I was like in junior high when they came out. So like I only associate them with like the the cool kids or like, like older brothers of friends who were popular, who somehow scraped together the money to, to, you know, purchase these shoes. I don't, so like my shoe, my sneaker nostalgia is like more early nineties, eighties. Um, I guess I'm too old to be like sneaker nostalgic for the shoes that came out when I was in junior high. Cause that's like, just sort of gross to me. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, you know, I get why Lil Nas X is probably the right age to appreciate them. And I'm not, but yeah, so they're all black. There, there's a pentagram metal on them. There's a Bible citation, just the just the Luke ten eighteen, um, and that passages. And I saw Lucifer falling from heaven like lightning. Um, so yeah, devil devil reference there. Um, and the context of that is Jesus is sending the disciples out to work miracles and minister and evangelize, cast out demons. And they're like surprised it's working. And they come back and they're like, boss, it's working. It's working. And <laughs> and, and Jesus, Jesus is like, well, guess what? I saw Lucifer hit the ground. Uh, so that's supposed to uh, clarify, I guess, that Jesus has power and stuff. Um, so anyway, that's kind of cool. Um and you know, since we're humanities nerds, we would be like, "Oh, like who is Lil Nas X identifying with? Jesus? Who's the one speaking in that verse? Or Lucifer? Who's the one being described? Probably both, given this music video. I don't know."
0: Um, yes, yes, I think that we're going to be saying both a lot in this in this particular episode. There's going to be a lot of both happening.
1: But we we so I'm building up to the main element that was the cause of scandal in this, apart from the the whole. Uh, Bible references and goth paraphernalia attached to these sneakers um, which is the fact that um, and I I, maybe it's in the air units because they're air maxes so they have the air units the sort of like pouch of air in them I wonder if they, they injected the blood into the air units I actually don't actually know
0: I thought uh, it was in the, the red dye. Was actually, it in the red mixed, dye? Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, that's... Oh, I mean. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, on the ex- externally, or... Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Great, great. Maybe it'll turn brown slowly at some point. Um, <laughs> like, you know, but whatever. Um... Came from yeah, so like that, that was the controversy because there's literally blood in it. Um, and a friend of mine just pointed out that that really kind of captures the commodity fetishization and exploitation of labor that is key to the capitalistic production and consumption of these things. So yeah, I thought that nice. Nice sort of commentary there. Of course, yeah, a, little,
0: a little blood, sweat, and tears from capitalism going directly into your sneaker die. I mean, it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, the, uh, the their Jesus sneakers—they had a Jesus before Satan. Their Jesus sneakers had holy water in them. Um, they, I think they should have done water into wine, like from you know, but you know, whatever. Uh, Bible nerds, uh,
0: but uh, um, Can we, can we put that in like a possible Future business plan for us, Klaus? Yeah. We designed the water to wine shoes, thank you Great,
1: yeah, it, they could dispense uh, Wine, that could be the, the next thing um, But anyway, you know, the blood Thing, it made it seem like it was It evoked this kind of Satanist Ritual Panic that people have um, And, uh, you know, had like The, the governor of South Dakota uh, Coming at Lil Nas X uh, on Twitter, because you know Governor Noam is like, "Oh, the children who think this shoe is so exclusive are ready to trade their immortal souls for the shoe." Um, and um, little Nas X was like, "Don't you have more important things to be doing? Uh, you know, like letting a lot of people die of COVID in your state. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, burn. Um, yeah, so it was good. a burn. It was a burn for big time." Um, <laughs> So yeah, so I mean like that's the, that's the rundown on on the sneakers. I, I know Nike is taking legal action against Mischief. Um I don't quite know the latest on that, but um that is it's just going to drive up their value, you know.
0: Uh <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. This seems like, if nothing else, this whole thing seems like a massive publicity. I wouldn't say stunt, but uh, uh
1: stunt, stunt is stunt is stunt? fair. <laughs> all
0: right, all right, fair enough. So tell me a little bit about the Chick-fil-A shoes, because I think that's what everyone really wants to know about.
1: Like uh, Yeah, that, that that was that was Nas's uh, little Nas X's uh answer to the controversy uh, surrounding the Satan shoes. Uh, so I guess you put out an image of some perspective chick-fil-a, air max ninety sevens uh, with uh, John three sixteen, you know, real some nice pious uh, Jesus verses. Uh, and I guess what's the, the 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 slogan or motto of Chick-fil-A, My pleasure. Um, really, he's just <laughs> So awkward. So, so awkward. And brilliant. I think the Chick-fil-A ones look yeah. great. Um, I thought oh, they, totally. They looked, I thought they looked better than the devil ones. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not a Chick-fil-A person, so.
0: Well, um, and of course, like, the Chick-fil-A ones work in so many different levels, right? Because you have yeah. the kind of, here's your nod to evangelical Christianity and, of course, its corporate arm. But on the other hand, you also have this sort of nod to homophobia as it's expressed in corporate, you know, activism or or whatever, you know, anti-corporate activism when, you know, all of the queer allies, we were not allowed to go to Chick-fil-A for a while because they weren't fully supportive of LGBTQ rights. But I think it's like, funny that he took Chick-fil-A in particular to make this shoe from, because I think it speaks to this kind of conflation of LGBTQ identity and Satanism and kind of the worst nightmares, these specters of the evangelical Christian right.
1: I think that's totally, I think you're totally right. I think, uh, what a great troll job, uh, and he, if anything else, Lil Nas is just, X is just like a brilliant troll and yeah, like, uh, getting, getting Chick-fil-A in the mix with its, um, homophobic, uh, social engineering politics and stuff it, I think was, was, was spot on.
0: For sure. So I think we can all agree that Lil Nas X's publicity skills are kind of genius and quite incredible, And we've talked a little bit about his Twitter presence and stuff, but I think it's time for us to dive into the video a little bit, Klaus.
1: Yeah, and if I'm getting the timeline right, the video came out after the shoes. Of course, obviously the video was made well in advance of the shoe. Eh, That's good. I don't know how long it takes to make a shoe like that. Um, The video must have taken a while since it's – Very surreal. Um, But but yeah, anyway, so the video starts out with a version of Eden, um, one that's strewn with broken Greco-Roman columns. Um, So more on the classical motifs later. Anyway, we find our protagonist, little Nas X, outfitted with long hair and long nails, strumming his pink sparkly guitar and singing under the fateful tree. Then... As you might expect, a menacing serpent descends from the upper branches.
0: But this isn't maybe you know your mama's serpent. The serpent has a human torso with a kind of bald alien head. It, for some reason, for me, it just it's there's something very Star Trek about it. Uh, anyway, and and so the serpent has even longer nails than our protagonist. But for me, you know, it's somewhere between a Star Trek and maybe, like, even a Conehead reference. It's very, like, weird. Um, And after a few seconds, you realize, because there is so much going on with this visual display of the serpent, that the serpent is actually played by Lil Nas X himself. So I know, yeah, right? <laughs>
1: both and both and both and. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. And there's no fruit in this version. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That, that, there's no there's no uh, apple of in Eden here. Um, is this the tree of knowledge after all? I don't know then. Yeah. But anyway, we you know, let's just jump to this interpretation of the story, because it's it's all about sex, you know. It, it, the serpent quickly seduces Lil Nas X, and cut to the tree, we get an inscription from Plato's Symposium in Greek. So this, this some classics nerd was responsible for the art direction and conception of this this video, in a way that's sort of surprising. It sort of got under the radar into uh, Lil Nas X's uh, camp, but
0: yeah, right. Either Lil Nas X or someone in his camp is a huge classics nerd. I completely maybe
1: agree. It's, maybe it's him. Maybe it's yeah. him. You know, who, stranger things happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so we get this, this line in Greek from the Aristophanes speech from Symposium. And we talked a little bit about this actual speech in our last episode on Gnosticism. So check that one out as well if you haven't already. And as we said then... Classic, total classic. Classic, classic. Yeah. classic. Yeah. Speaking, of class, speaking of classical <laughs> Greek uh, <laughs> philosophy. So as we said then, Plato's Symposium is a story about a raucous drinking party in which all the revelers have to give speeches in praise of Eros. And Eros is just the name for the Greek god of desire or erotic love. And so when it gets around to Aristophanes' turn to give a speech, he tells a story about the origin of human beings and of their love for one another. So originally, human beings were what would appear to us like two people conjoined at the back. And because of this double nature, they were doubly sexed. So some were male-male, some were female-female, and some were male-female. Again, looking like two human beings back to back. And because of the pride of these sort of proto-double humans, because, you know, what's a good origin story without some sort of sin against the divine? They attacked the gods. So Zeus decided to teach them a lesson. To keep their ambitions in check, he cut them in two. Love is then the force that drives each of us to find our other halves, whether same-sex or opposite sex.
1: This makes it sound a lot as though love is a punishment. And that doesn't really sound to me like much of a speech that's praising
0: love at all. Right? If it's a competition, Aristophanes is totally going to lose. But, you know, it's supposed to keep us too busy, this, this love stuff, to worry about upending the rule of the gods. That's one way of thinking about the effect of this conception of love. So it you might think of it as serving as a kind of check on our politico-religious ambitions, if you will. We can't take over, we can't overthrow the gods if we're so busy falling in love with each other. So, Klaus, back to Lil Nas X. Why don't you give us some of that Greek now that it's, that's etched into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What does that say?
1: Uh, it says, It says, <laughs> He miso, uh, which, tra- <laughs> nice. which translates to after the division of the two parts of man each desiring his other half came together and then etc etc exactly so this
0: is the moment where the two lovers who have been separated are coming back together and the whole point of this is for Lil Nas X this is about us looking for our other halves in other words this is the history of the origin of love
1: There's a lot going on there, obviously. So first of all, I think we should notice how this shows up on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Some crazy graffiti that. Uh, It suggests we should see the nature of erotic love as the hidden knowledge. You know, Lil Nas X left it in rather obscure Greek, after all, that the tree represents, which is reinforced by the erotic drama between the protagonist and the serpent.
0: Exactly. And the emphasis here is on the queer possibilities of that love which, of course, traditional interpretations of Eden would preclude. And, you know, we've got, so we have these competing kind of origin myths when we have that Greek written on the tree inside the Garden of Eden. So, you know, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. In a sense, Lil Nas X is making a somewhat conservative argument here. Staying well within the confines of the Western cultural patrimony, he both reimagines and queers Eden, but does so using... Greek philosophy.
1: Yes, yeah, so you think it's conservative because of the the kind of stuffy appeal to Greek stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's the sense in which it's conservative, right? It's not conservative in that it's def- it's opposing that that you know easy rhyming couplet here, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. He's like, screw that, um, and he's finding certainly a creative way forward. But he does so in this what I would say is a somewhat culturally conservative way. He's going to say, well, there's an, there's another old myth in which, right. We've got these other possibilities of telling the origin of love.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's int- yeah. That's interesting. Um, so like, yeah, conservative in form, uh, if not necessarily in content, Yeah, uh, exactly. that, that makes sense. Um, there's a lot of other stuff going on too. Um, we mentioned the song titled earlier, Montero or call me by your name. And I think it's worth exploring more of what that can mean. First, you have the 2017 film, Call Me By Your Name, about an affair between a man and a teenager, and it's based on the Andre Asiman novel by the same name, and the title comes up in the novel as a kind of ecstatic exclamation in an erotic scene between the two main characters.
0: Yep, and I think that scene invokes the framing of such an affair between, you know, the, the male teenager and the, and the adult man as one of sameness or reflection. Which is a choice, right? There are different ways of kind of imaging that, but, but that's the, the mode in which that's sort of expressed. And this shows up in the way we talk about queerness as, you know, same-sex love. You've got that, that idea of reflection or sameness when we think about queer love. And clearly for Lil Nas X, it's related in a number of ways to uh, the concept of self-love, too you get a kind of blurriness between same-sex desire and self-desire that shows up in this phrase, call me by your name. But also in the video, as the protagonist is entwined in the embraces of the serpent, right, both played by the same guy. And it's further suggested by one of the opening lines of the video, Welcome to Montero, where Lil Nas X figures himself as a kind of landscape as we're kind of panning over... Eden and the garden, we hear, welcome to Montero. Mm.
1: Yeah, and it's almost, it could be like this inner psychic landscape on, in some sense too. Um, I think it's, it's also significant that, that the line is accompanied by references to secret knowledge, disclosure, and identity. Uh, in life, we hide the parts of ourselves we won't, don't want to see. I think this is the verse, right? And yes, exactly. We, we, we locked them away. We tell them no, we banished them. But here we don't. Welcome to Montero. Uh, And that refusal to hide is what gives rise to the possibility for self-love in
0: in Montero. (laughs) (laughs) In the land of Montero. Yeah. Um, I think we could also see shades of the Narcissus myth here, although indirectly, in that tension between or perhaps alignment of self-love with same-sex love. Uh, You know, Narcissus, it's that Greek myth about the pretty boy who falls in love with himself when he catches his image reflected in water
1: it seems like a kind of a, a conservative way to frame uh same sex desire though, where it, you know, it's, it makes it kind of like a sort of uh, a moral danger of where self-love is usually not considered to be, um, a virtue in, in these contexts. And it's like, Oh, like that sort of ends up sort of that gesture ends up, I think, pushing towards the, I don't know, maybe a moral critique embedded in this, um, maybe in spite of what Lil Nas X is trying to do. Um,
0: right. I don't know. It reminds me of the whole idea of queering, right. Or the recovery of the word queer within these discourses. Like to what extent can you resist when you're trapped in these kinds of myths that contain within them a moralizing element, right. Mm, can you ever yeah. really reclaim, um, something that's been so denigrated in these multiple ways?
1: Yeah, no, That. yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. Right. Um, and then I think the the album cover seems to really play into this tension, which it's like a riff on Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel ceiling, the the creation of Adam, an image I'm sure everyone knows uh, with the outstretched hands, fingers, um, in, in which then this one, Lil Nas X or Montero poses as both God and Adam again. Like yeah, this we're back in the pleroma here. It's it's the the <laughs> one father, mother, God thinking itself. Uh,
0: yes, yes.
1: And and the scholar uh, Vanessa Stovall, uh, in in A Peace in Time, I believe, has rightly pointed to the 21st century emphasis on self-love as key here, but there is so much more to say about this image since it goes in such a different direction than the videos Embrace the Satanic. Absolutely, yeah. So, So, like, Narcissus aside... We definitely have Greek references in both the symposium piece and the broken columns. It's almost like the training sequence in the cartoon Hercules movie from the 90s. Uh, Great, great reference to drop in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which provides a kind of visual link to our next scene. As Lil Nas X sinks into the embraces of the serpent, we are transported to a kind of Roman amphitheater where he's in chains and is booed by a psychedelic mix of bewigged 18th century nobility who he also plays, and animated plebs who hurl rocks at him, one of
0: which knocks him out. Exactly. So you've got those, we've gone from the broken columns in that mythical land of Montero slash Eden, and now into this arena that's, of course, supported by that same style of architecture. So I had a little trouble with this part. I was super interested in it. You know, is he a martyr in the Roman arena about to be sacrificed for his faith in, you know, the Greek god Eros rather than Jesus? Or is the booing of the crowd meant to invoke You know, more obliquely to be sure, Lil Nas X's sense of rejection because of his sexuality, or you know, our go-to answer for this pod, both.
1: Yeah, I mean I think when I when I saw this scene and as you are helping me call to memory, uh there's I think there's a sense of like the public and uh the masses turning on him for coming out. It's like one option. There's also the sense in he plays so many of the characters in the video that it's also this sort of internalized homophobia uh as like superego thing going on too. Um and I'm sure it's it's probably just supposed to be open-ended. Um and uh it can be one or both or any other any number of other things. Um getting knocked out like almost reminds me of like swooning in church and being spirit-possessed. I mean, but not to go too far down the allegorical possibilities
0: that the video provides, but at least, you know, it sort of makes for a good transition point. Yeah, absolutely. So he gets hit by the rock and he swoons. And then sort of what happens next? What do we see?
1: Yeah, he seems, he's swooning and then he seems to be like he's radiant. Uh, and he's being lifted up by these powers towards a backlit winged male figure. Um, he's sort of being rescued or delivered, uh, hard to say exactly who he's looking up at here, whether it's, uh, the God of desire Eros, uh, Ganymede, a, a boy toy of the King of the gods, Zeus, you know, in Greek mythology, or is it, when I saw it, I thought it was, um, I thought it was Lucifer. So it was kind of like a darkness over the face, you know, it's sort of obscure. There was a, I thought there was a little bit of an ominous, quality about it. But then, you know, I think he's just sort of playing with these archetypes and letting them blend into each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's sort of some big picture, non-specific symbolism, but there's the raising, you know, up from this scene of perhaps inner conflict that you're talking about, perhaps that's also external uh, that seems to revolve around his identity or his sexuality We're lifted up to this heavenly place with this figure who could certainly be, you know, the God of desire. That makes a lot of sense. Could be some sort of uh, non-Christian alternative to what's what's cast as a, you know, homophobic Christian God, or like you said, and, you know, since I'm a co-host of a pod about the devil, I'm all about this being Lucifer, especially because of what happens right after.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah yeah I mean, we get this entrance of a pole uh because where else could this video go but a pole dancing sequence and just and just to be clear it that's like also a reference to the f k twigs video uh, cellophane um the, she there's a pole dancing sequence in that, and so uh, I think it's it's pretty public now that this is a deliberate uh reference, but yeah, just to just to get on, on that Well,
0: spotted there, Klaus, yes, so then naturally. Lil Nas X descends to hell, you know, uh, acrobatically descending on the pole in the guise of a stripper, kind of working that pole all the way down from heaven to hell. And frankly, it's iconic.
1: <laughs> what an entrance. Uh, so then he saunters into a palace where he finds inscribed on the floor, Damn not quon non intelligent. Um, you're you're the you're the Latin, you're the Latinist of the bunch here, Travis, so why don't you parse that for us.
0: Thank you so much for letting me have my moment here, Klaus. Since we've moved from Greek to Latin, I feel much more comfortable all of a sudden. So it translates to, they condemn what they don't understand. And uh, the internets tell me that it could be a paraphrase of Quintilius, for the classicists out there, please tweet at us, we wanna know if that's right. In any case, uh, the quote is so on the nose that it's probably best if it were left in Latin, to be honest. I mean, what's most interesting about this is it seems to refer not only to queerness itself as misunderstood, particularly by certain Christians, of course, but also, and this is, I think, the more interesting part, that the video itself is the thing that's misunderstood. This video, which is clearly not at pains to explain itself in terms of the appropriation of Satan, the esoteric references to classical literature, there are lots of ways in which it's coyly grinning, I think, at us, this particular Um, this particular video, and of course the way that Lil Nas X treats it in the Twitter aftermath.
1: Yeah. Prince of Trolls for sure. So yeah, then the the video really reaches its crescendo with a bunch of extremely normal things happening uh, like uh, Lil Nas X giving Satan a lap dance. So normal. Which concludes with his breaking Satan's neck and taking the throne of the Prince of Darkness. He, he grabs the remarkably conveniently removable Satan horns, sprouts some black wings. I think his eyes go red and, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. we're out we're done. It's yeah. a wrap.
0: <laughs> it, feel, it feels like such a Halloween costume moment, the way he can just like put on the wings. I mean, like how many, how many gay parties have I been to before where someone is wearing either white or black wings? It just like feels very costumey at the end, um, which is kind of, Yeah. Uh, where it left me. So what a ride, right? This feels, <laughs> this feels like mainly an excuse, this video, to taunt the queer-bashing evangelicals, to troll them, which, sure, it can feel childish at certain moments, but then again, it also feels like they earned it. Mm, um, big time. And, and I guess the reaction has been telling, right?
1: The reaction, yes, the reaction. There's a website you all should go to, www.twitter.com. It's 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 a it's a useful website for <laughs> for getting into the kinds of reactions and uh, mind-numbing stupidity and and petty arguing that I think really fuels the, <laughs> the the reception of this video.
0: Yeah, maybe don't spend too much time in the Twitter sphere. Okay, so uh, but mainly I feel like this has been a kind of exercise in misreading right, this reaction verse, it's so clear that most of the negative reactions have been knee-jerk rather than analytical. They're not taking anything about this seriously, which, you know, maybe is part of the fun, part of the mischief of this this whole interaction. Um, My favorite piece of this, this argument, this back and forth online, is the idea that Lil Nas X hooked kids on Old Town Roan. He got them into his music through this catchy first big hit, only to seduce them into satanic gayness. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I know. Uh,
1: Billy Ray Cyrus is really a gateway drug to to God knows what. Oh, absolutely,
0: Um, yeah. I mean, like, just hide your children, like, cover their ears uh, from... It's, of course so funny how this is selectively applied you know that's the the easiest way to poke a hole in this argument for sure yeah
1: and i mean it's it's not as if uh, old town road was not immediately interpreted to be about drug abuse and adultery so if you're really concerned about song lyrics the ship might have already sailed um there's a kind of coyness, too, to the oh-so-literal embrace of Satan in the video. We have pentagrams, you know, referencing contemporary Satanist movements and the occult more broadly. Really goth. Um, mm. I think mm-hmm. my, my one of my ba- basketball podcasts would say it's a really, like, New York Knicks kind of level goth uh, aesthetic <laughs> going on here. Well, I think... Uh, we, I think this has been long enough for a reaction pod, so we're, we're used up our time. But I hope you enjoyed our pop culture mini episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
0: This pod is made possible by support from the Satanic Ward, Asmodeus, Mammon, Leviathan, Beelzebub, and listeners like you. Thank you.